Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ringing It F1 podcast. It's another race review. We've had a triple header. We're not burnt out because we're still bloody pumped bring you this race review of the Austrian Grand Prix. I'm Freddie Coates. I enjoyed the Austrian Grand Prix, and I'm here with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu, who I, I think both also enjoyed the Austrian Grand Prix. Adam, how are you? Did you enjoy the Austrian Grand Prix? Yeah, you kind of make it sound like a survivor group where you're just like, hello, I'm Freddie Coates and I enjoyed the Austrian Grand Prix and everyone goes. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think, I don't know. I found it good. I don't yeah. know whether I enjoyed it like massively. It was a race. It was good, but it wasn't yeah, like, not I don't you... know. It's, it, it's not memorable, I don't think, really, mm. to me, at least. It was better than the Styrian Grand Prix. Not that it took much, but it was better than that, just for me. I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell the difference in about six months' time. I'm just getting yeah. these two races completely mixed up. They were very, I don't know, I thought they were quite... I was going to say, we we might get the winners mixed up, but it's the same thing. I mean, if you look at the protagonists across the weekends, they've been the same people. You've got Max Verstappen, Lando Norris... Um, and that's about it. Fun fact: so, the top five who were eliminated, the five who were eliminated in Q one, were the same five as last week. Which is and the top to six were the same six. Well, I'm just like a different I'm order. Back, I'm back Norris for a podium at, for the Styrian Grand Prix, and then yeah, Renee yeah. Yeah. for this one. I think we, I think we all did. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, let's talk score. about the race winner. Very good place to start. P one, Max Verstappen. Did we see him? Did we? Um, kind of cruise to it. it it never looked in doubt from the first laps of practice I don't seem to recall really looking at the results in practice this weekend I just always kind of assumed Verstappen was on top Nigel did you did you get that kind of air that it was just he had one of those unbeatable weekends yeah Nigel definitely will have looked at the results in practice and guaranteed yeah, that at the very least sorry <laughs> yeah. practice, he practices looking at the results in practice so that he can look at the results in practice all all day is like one of the results and that just in time so he can do it when the practice results happen well that he didn't surreal. top every practice session did he he didn't top the second mm. practice session I think it was third uh, but he did top every qualified segment Q1, Q2, Q3 led every lap of the race fastest lap obliterated the field pretty much a perfect weekend uh i mean the combination of the staff and, and that red bull is pretty much unbeatable at the moment i'd say and he's going to take some stopping he, he's driving better than ever it's his fourth win in austria at the red bull ring as well so yeah it's just everything has gone pretty much perfectly the last two two or three weeks and his 32 point lead i think he I wouldn't say deserves it, but he's definitely driven driven more than well enough to, to, to have that kind of lead now. So he's just looking pretty much unbeatable. I mean, he's been a Tade Picaccia of the uh, F1 grid for, <laughs> I don't know, Nigel will enjoy that. It'll go right over Freddie's head. He's a bowler. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's way off. He's looking, which that's how far back the pack were behind yeah. Picaccia. Anyway, um, yeah, he's, he's just. He's just been a league, in a league of his own this weekend. I think the having Norris um, as a kind of cork in the yeah. grid bottle helps slightly. I, I, I don't think it changed the result, but I think it just kind of contributed to um, what you said at the start, that he 
he just you know barely saw him really <laughs> he got pulled a lead very early on and that was that we saw him when he pitted and under absolutely no pressure whatsoever and and that was that it really was yeah it was Vettel like it was a kind of performance as we see from Vettel in his championship winning years at Red Bull I think where he just get on pole disappear off and that would be all she wrote he's the youngest driver today to get pole win lead every lap and fastest lap um, that's as of today, he's achieved that uh, feat. Um, and yeah, it's just brilliant, brilliant performance from Max. Um, do we think he can be toppled in Silverstone? That's quite, that's probably something quite, to talk about in 10 days, I'd say. Uh, I mean, it's not going to yeah. change. Um, I'd say he's the favourite, even though Hamilton goes incredibly well there. I think Mercedes he's, are meant to be bringing upgrades, aren't they? They are, but if you look at the margin they've got to get, yes, it's a Red Bull track perhaps, but Verstappen is in so much form and the Red Bull looks so good. Straight line speed is there as well. I think Verstappen has to be the favourite, even on a track that has, been, that, that has done wonders for Hamilton. Yeah, Mercedes have... Um... Have they, they've won all but one race in Silverstone since 2013, I think. I think they only lost in 2018 yeah. to Vettel. Um, well, the Shackleman last 75 yeah, races, was, was oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. See, like you were talking about the two Austrias melding yeah. together. It's already <laughs> happened to me for the Silverstone from last year. I was going to say, I completely forgot last year's steering Grand Prix. I mean, if someone told me that Carlos Sainz started third in the steering Grand Prix last year, and I completely forgot that. Because that makes McLaren's that. McLaren's record in, in starting positions in um, Austria from Austria, Styria, Styria, Austria is third for Lando, third for Carlos, third for Lando, second for Lando. Like, we really shouldn't really be surprised that McLaren were there as the bottleneck. Um, I think we can move. You were talking about Lando as the bottleneck there, Adam, and they, they were surprised at their pace. I, there was a point in the race where Lando's engineer um, was giving him the gap on Gasly because they were basically expecting Mercedes to pass. And then Lando's just like, go away, I don't care about Gasly. I'm focusing <laughs> on the seven-time world champion behind me. And I think that he was like, he, the, he, the difference with Lando's attitude like, today to last week. He just week. kind of said, okay, as if like, well, why are you <laughs> telling me this? Well, like, oh God, I don't care. <laughs> no, no relevance to me whatsoever. Yeah. I think with, with Lando this week, comparatively to last week, he was he was playing the points game last week, and I think today he was playing the podium game. Do you think that, yeah. that makes sense? Yeah, I, I think he went for, last last week. He was managing something. I think perhaps McLaren were worried they wouldn't make it to the end, but this week he, he we saw the best of him. Uh, well, not the best of him. Was he, he he was on the limit because I mean he's been incredible all year, uh, and yeah, he was. I mean, even with, without Hamilton's damage to his floor, Norris was. Right there, he was only three or four seconds behind, and I think he was doing roughly the same lap times in a car that is it as good as a Mercedes? I don't, I don't think it is. I think I think Norris is Norris just drove the wheels off it to keep up, quite frankly, and he just did a superb job. Only half a tenth away from stealing pole position as well, which was just yeah. incredible. He sort of transcended the car, I'd say. What about you, Adam? Mm. What do you think? Do you think he had? Do you, think, do you think it's his best weekend in F1? 
Nah, it's pretty average, really. No, it was. <laughs> it was <laughs> no, it, it's it's fantastic from Norris, and again, it's it's just kind of becoming a non-story. It's oh, Norris. It's a bit like Leclerc last season. It's Norris has another fantastic weekend in the McLaren. Are we surprised? Probably not really. Um, it's no, it's just yeah. you know the the heights he's pushing, like you say, his qualifying position, um, getting another podium. It's but another podium. It it doesn't feel like a big thing for Norris to be on the podium anymore i'm sure it does to him but it, it's not like oh wow it, it's just like oh yeah norris has gotten to the podium that's fantastic so yeah it's he's just doing fantastic things like another brit in mclaren a few fair few years ago now um Lewis Hamilton. yeah jensen blossom was fantastic cool McLaren. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no, David Coulthard isn't British. He's exactly Scottish. He's just he's only specifically Scottish. He's yes. not British. Yes. <laughs> Scottish um, on a gasp. That's David Coulthard. Like, like Murray when he loses at Wimbledon. So yeah, I think <laughs> it's it's just yeah, it's it's fantastic from Norris. It's a superlative performance and very it, superlative. He's just gonna yeah be getting better and better, and that's the thing. He is getting better and better. He is oh. still improving, and he is so far ahead of Ricardo that it's just, it, it feels really strange to think that, I mean, I certainly didn't, I know a lot of other people thought he'd really struggle and Ricardo would put him under a lot of pressure or be able to beat him. It just feels so strange to think about that now. He's been on it all season, but for me, I think yeah. this just about edges it in terms of being his best weekend of the year. Is that something you guys agree with? Yeah. I, I think so, Yeah. Um, I mean, I gave him a 9.5. <laughs> is that your best ever rating you've ever given yeah, someone? Yeah, so far wow. this year, yeah. Oh, Nigel, <laughs> that's such a big moment for you. That's great. How do you feel? Well, is that the joint most or... Um, I don't know what he gave to his wrestle. No, I've not, give, I've not given anyone 9.5 this year. No. Can't wait to see when someone gets a 10. Yeah, They're going to have to like, <laughs> give you a kiss or something, aren't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It would, it would have to be like a wet call file and wet race or something to like do it. I don't know. Anyway. You can retroactively mark the 1996 Spanish Grand Prix if you want. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would just say it kind of, it feels like it was quite a quietly good race. Like to have a 9.5, you'd expect that to be like a big drive through the field or something like that. You mm. you know, it, it's, I know he, he had the, clash with Perez which I'm sure will come on to later and he, he got past the um, Lewis Hamilton had a battle with him earlier in the race as well but it wasn't like it was just kind of consistently excellent really I, I, I think in a race yeah go on oh sorry that was it oh, I think in a race like this you kind of if you start quite far back you're never going to make the podium because we had an early safety car there wasn't much, too much kind of just there was incidents, but we didn't have like cars dropping out of the race. There was only one re- retirement, wasn't there, with, with Ocon. So you kind of have to start up there, which is what Norris did superbly with his outstanding qualifying lap. So I think that's kind of why it paid off. But either way, uh, you know, to be running with the with the front runners when he's when he's in the midfield car, you know, it's just yeah, I think I think that's what makes it kind of special I guess yeah I think it's special I think um, but I think it's special still but going back to something Adam touched on that about is it still special for him to get a podium it didn't seem to be he was disappointed he um, he was disappointed yesterday because he thought he could got pole and he could have got pole 
Um, and he's disappointed today because he thinks he was unfairly penalised into third, essentially, because Bottas jumps him in the pit stops. Bottas got second. We'll talk about Bottas in a bit because he had a good weekend, I think. Um, but but Lando, without that five-second penalty, probably would have beaten Bottas mm. and would have been able to catch Hamilton and clear Hamilton and hold Bottas behind because for the same reasons that Lando couldn't close on Bottas and probably the same reason Bottas wouldn't be able to close on Lando. So yeah. I would I would say that, we'll talk about the penalties in a bit, but I would say that was a second place Missed. robbed. Yeah. I think in terms of, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I was going to counter-argue that, but I'm not now. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the penalty situation. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. we can have that. Um, but yeah, uh, Adam, just, do you want to jump in? Uh, I was just going to finish off if we are finishing off, or just carry on if we are carrying on. But he's got um, <laughs> he's podiumed a third of the races this year, which yeah. is just you know that's like bad. And if we if we extrapolate that across the rest of the season, which doesn't feel oh, like, like two pole. Oh no, that's three. It, it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel kind of. Um, I need to change something. Beyond, <laughs> Beyond the realms of possibility that he will, you know, kind of continue that strike rate or near that strike rate through the rest of the season, really. And he's got more podiums than Perez so far. It's, yeah, it's... I think my favourite stat about Lando this year is that in nine races, he's got more points than he did in 2020. He's got, um, he's three points off third in the championship. And... At some points in today's race, obviously, the pair is a few points back. And the live standings we're having him moving back up into third in the standings. He's a legitimate front-runner fight now, I think, is Lando. I think mm. we were talking about the Williams being a midfield car now, based on what Russell can do. Lando, I would say, is making this McLaren a front-runner car. Do you think that's do you think that's a yes or a no to end I on? I don't think I mean, on all Ricardo tracks. holds I it Yeah, back. I think on, I on think occasion. The, short, the shortness mm. of Austria helps and I think it helps Russell as well as we'll speak about I don't see how it would take an even more impressive performance at Silverstone I think to make the podium I, I don't really expect it with, with Austria or Styria you can think it could happen but with Silverstone and even Hungary I don't I don't think it will happen unless there's some mad circumstances I don't I don't think it will happen on pure pace like this weekend yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Just to, again, jump in with a random stat. that It, it just reminded me, when you talked about Norris Vettel's, um, nearly got, um, he's on 30 points now, and he got 33 last year for Ferrari, but he's got the 30 points this season in three races. So in three races, he's yeah. nearly equaled, um, equaled what he got for the whole of last year with Ferrari. So, yeah, I just needed to get that in now because I knew I could get it later on. That's a, that's a fantastic reason to chime in with that point. Um, second place, like we said, went to Valtteri Bottas. He um, basically trapped Lewis Hamilton all weekend on pace and um, got second basically out of circumstance, would we say, but he had the pace to capitalise. Um, he was always there or thereabouts. Just that, you know, that good Valtteri second Mercedes driver weekend, would you say? I'd say. Did, did he let Lewis through on the first lap? Because I couldn't work out, it was at turn, I think it was the first lap, or it might have been after the safety car restart. It was at turn four, um, no, it was after the safety car restart, that Lewis um, tried to attack uh, Norris and Perez, and then through that, Bottas basically got ahead of him. Um, and then he locks up going into turn four, but it also looked like he let Lewis through. I couldn't really figure it out. 
but I think yeah. I think it was just Lewis had a bit of a more of a slipstream traction coming out. To be honest, I think Bottas right. would have held it if he could. To be honest, I don't I, I I don't think he was actively letting someone through at a safety car restart. I think that's too much to I, think I about at that point. Racing. I, I, yeah, I thought, I thought they were racing. racing. I, I it just really looked like it. Like I, I agree. I don't see why he would let him through, but it just really looked like he got off the power. Basically, I mean, there was really a wider debate in this about the, the wider debate about this about Valtteri's racecraft. To be honest, I mean, he, he he was getting his elbows out, but kind of sort of sat back. And it's different when you're racing your teammate, obviously, and he knows that if he's ahead of Lewis, he probably have to get out of the way at some point anyway. I think he was there, just like, what can I capitalize? And sort of thought, I'll take it safe. Maybe I don't know if we're gonna if we're gonna think about anything for that. But to be honest, I think Lewis probably just got him back. I, th- I think all being all being said, though, I think it was a good weekend for Bottas. To be honest, it it was it. yeah, as you say, kept kept pace with Lewis and then came through. Was able to leapfrog Norris in the pits and then hold on ahead of him. And you know he would have um, got Lewis anyway pretty quickly. Lewis led him through, which was the right thing, right call from Mercedes to wow. do that. But, I, yeah, I'm going to well, disagree with that. Okay, um, but yeah, I think it was. I think he would have had um, Lewis anyway, and yeah, I think it was a, a good weekend from Bottas. What did you get in your ratings, Nigel? Four, seven, no, like a two. No, uh, I think it was like an eight. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, yeah, 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 I'd say an eight is a fair result for Bottas this weekend. I think that's the you highest mark points. I've given him. So far. <laughs> I think it's the highest mark I've given him this year, and that's because I think it's the best weekend he's had this year. Uh, just just because he matched, like you said, uh, Hamilton in qualifying and the race, which is not something I don't think he's done that so far this season. I think he might have been there like, in qualifying, maybe, but then not the race or vice versa. But he was on pure pace, right with him. And it's a track he loves for whatever reason. He doesn't know either, and he's continued to show that. So, so yeah, he he probably maximised the result with Verstappen in the lead and. Results-wise, he couldn't have done too much more, I'd say. He couldn't have done, I don't think. Um, and I think, well, so yeah, talking about that Mercedes call to let him pass, Nigel, I presume you're going to say it's better to have a rear gunner in the way of Norris to consolidate a double podium for Mercedes, do you think? Or is that too much of a risk with 30 laps to go? I think... I, I think Mercedes made a mistake. I really, I really do. I think with Hamilton, obviously, is the one who's going for the championship, and I don't. I think Norris would have struggled to have got past Bottas, even if they were going a bit slower. So really? I think they should have. I think so. Done, I think I Bottas should have stayed behind and try at least try to fight for it, make it difficult rather than because. When, when as soon as Bottas went by, they gave up the podium straight away. They should have fought for it more. Doing a championship battle, you got to fight for every point, every position. And I think Mercedes threw it away with Hamilton too easily. But the way he basically it felt like he caught Hamilton with like a lap or two of catching up to him when he was there. If Bottas had been, you know, it's, it's not Latifi we're talking about. It's Lando Norris. He's a very good drive. I mean, not that Latifi isn't, but you know, he is one the one the top drivers on the grid, and his wheelchair racing is, you know, a big part of that. And it, I just think it's unrealistic to think that Bottas would have kept him, managed to keep him behind for that long without, you know, I, he, I think, Hamilton I think... just going so slowly, and for Bottas to have to keep pace with that, it just would have made him a complete sitting duck for. 
uh, Norris, or he would have had to speed up and then he would have been on the back of Hamilton anyway. Norris probably would have got both of them in the same corner. I think it's just unrealistic. Do you think it's, do you think it's not worth a try, though, for the for the championship points? Do you think it's not worth no. a try to I, try something I, I rather, think... than, rather than essentially get rid of what was six points in three laps? Do you think it's not a good thing to maybe try it? And well, the McLaren did it a few years ago, didn't they? They said to Lando to to hold Ricardo in DRS so that the Red Bull couldn't overtake. Yeah. And that worked with the DRS train kind of things. And do you not, maybe something I think like it's that completely could be unrealistic. Looking at how slow Hamilton was, I think it's completely unrealistic to think that he would have, that they would have been able to hold Norris off and they would have thrown away um, the second place for the team of the constructors for, you know, what, three points gain. You know, if, if they kept... Bottas behind Hamilton for the whole thing, then I guess Hamilton comes home third and that's the podium at the expense of a very angry Bottas. So, you know, I, I just don't think it would have it would have been a battle for third anyway between them. It just would have been deciding who got third because no way Norris would have been stuck behind them for 20 laps or however long it was. Oh, I, I think it was, I think, I think Nigel and I are leaning on it. it was worth a try. I don't think we think, I think saying it's unrealistic, you know, it seems a bit weird to sort of give it up. Like, why well, not really? try something? Yeah, well, yeah, like, why give up um, this? Why basically give up the podium and say, well, how, we need to get bosses away and just let Hamilton because get they swallowed up? Anyway. But, but that's the thing. That's the, well, well, why did Williams turn up to a race then? If they're, they're going to lose, they may as well just give up. Like, it's that kind of thing. You may as well try something a bit crazy. And who knows? Maybe it would work. Probably wouldn't work. I agree. It would be unrealistic for it to work. But rather than leaving your basically injured man in the field to get to overtaken straight away, which is what happened because, you know, with his damaged car then getting overtaken, why not use your number two driver, wingman driver to be a, be a rear gunner? If, if he's going to get overtaken straight away because he's injured, then Bottas and Hamilton would get overtaken straight away anyway because Hamilton's injured and Bottas has got to keep behind him. And it's not, they're not throwing away both cars. I think they're keeping hold of the second place and they've got an obligation to try and get the best result for me. And you've got a 95% chance, I think, of <laughs> Norris um, overtaking both of them and getting the second. And then it's like, oh, well, that was stupid. Or you've got a 95% chance of Bottas keeping that second place. You know, it, it, it just seems, you know, I'm all for teams trying things, but not when it's just, you know, su- such a um, low chance of reward and high chance of risk and, and losing out. Yeah. For me, you've just got to do everything you can when you're in a championship battle like this to give it a go. And what I would have done was have Bottas in Hounds DRS to protect Bottas from Norris because uh, Borough... Uh, Norris's uh, straight line Morris. speed. Yeah, I know Boris Johnson. Uh, Norris's straight line speed was pretty good, but because his straight line speed was good, it went with the low downforce setup. Having uh, been behind Bottas for four or five laps, if possible, would have really hurt his tyres, and then he it might have lost end. that edge, and he Norris might have not been able to get past. So I think it was definitely more than worth a try. I don't think it'd be four or five laps. I think it would have been one or two laps. I don't Max. think, it, it, don't think it would. If you if look at the where... we saw in the midfield with Perez, Ricardo, Leclerc, or whatever, if you're in a DRS train and the car in front is DRS, you can't overtake at all. Yeah, I Perez think couldn't. They should have done that. You, you can on the other parts of the chat track where one of the cars is much slower because they're carrying damage. 
And that was what we saw. He wasn't in the corners and the high speed. He can't follow at all. I mean, look at Alonso on Russell, Alpine versus Williams, which was going very slow. It took Alonso a good four or five laps at the end to battle his way through. And it was out without a car with DRS in the way. I mean, Lando would have to get past Bottas, and Bottas with DRS would just be way gone anyway. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, we're going in circles with this. Um, But, yeah, it's... It's worth a try. It's a bit crazy, but Mercedes have made a point for it's crazy strategies. We can go away. Um, I'm, trying to, just, a, I'm trying to do stupid. a link something else. Stop talking. It is. It is. It's just completely stupid it, it, and out of touch to try it's it. It's another sign for me. Out of, of touch to put like, your driver I, in fourth place. I think Red Bull... No, it's not. It's I think, out of touch when your driver's going to end up in fourth place anyway to try and stop that at the detriment of the rest of the team. Sorry, Nigel. I think, I think Red Bull would have tried something like that. I think they, they would, they're the kind of team that would do everything, put everything on the line for Verstappen. And I don't think Mercedes are willing to do that for Hamilton. And it's kind And it'll... I think it'll hurt them. Right. But yeah, I... Disagree with that as well. But as Freddie said, we are going in circles. So moving on. Yeah, we just went in a circle again. Um, so let's go on to the next topic. I can't do a fancy segue. Um, uh, yeah, so talking about, um, hmm, I can't think of an interesting thing to say about it to get into it. There were lots of penalties this weekend, weren't there? Um, some of them were cut and dry, for instance, speeding in the pit lane, which is, you know, a slam dunk penalty. And we all agree with that. I think there are a few more sort of. I more... don't actually. <laughs> no. Nigel wants to go back. I, I go... mouthed that, but didn't say it. And Nigel what? just put it all in. Go back to the past where they just floor it at 150 miles an hour through the pit lane. And well, they didn't one... have pit lanes in, as such, did they? It's just kind of like an area at the side of the track. <laughs> that is original F1. You, you go back to just a tent. Just exist there for five minutes, trying to unpeel with some, with some hay bales around it. Yeah, don't forget the that. hay bales were fantastic. They were such good safety. With also the, the little sort of little nets they had in the eighties, you just get caught in a net. Oh, I'm in a net now. Um, takes us back to our conversations about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, talking about nets. But anyway, um, that is not a reference that anyone <laughs> is going to understand because it's the weirdest. <laughs> It was the weirdest moment of our podcast history that we've ever had. But anyway, um, let's move on Um, away from that blot on our copy paper. Um, Penalties. There were a lot of penalties in this Grand Prix, weren't there? Some of them were cut and dry, like speeding in the pit lane. For instance, when Lance Stroll sped in the pit lane and got a penalty. But some of them, I think, were a bit more um, up for debate. 50-50, 50-50, iffy. Or 33-33-33 maybe in this case. <laughs> yes, no, and what? Why? Who? How, when? The staff and three times? I don't know. Still well, would have won. How far Second ahead he was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he beating himself, which the staff would have won. Um, but yeah, so let's go to sort of you know, the, the biggest talking point penalty. We've already touched on it. Lando Norris's five-second penalty for... Um, forcing a car across the road. Thank you, Adam, for touching on it just then with, with your hand on the camera. Um, Lando Norris was given a five-second penalty after the safety car restart for uh, forcing Sergio Perez off the track. So what happened? They came through turn four. You obviously have seen it. And Perez went around the outside. He was around the outside. Lando stuck to his line. Perez went in the gravel. Lando got a five-second time penalty for forcing a driver off the track. What do we think 
this was warranting do we think it was warranting a five second penalty do we think it was warranting racing incident because he was on the racing line and Perez just drove into the gravel or uh, well, what, do we what, think we'll Lando pushed him there we'll say yes or no all at the same time after 3 two, one. All right. So, three, so, so if it deserved a penalty or if it doesn't deserve yeah, a penalty yeah pe- penalty <laughs> yes or no okay three two one yes I don't know <laughs> we had, we 33, 33, 33. <laughs> I think okay. the... Nigel, make your case Ma- for yes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think last year with the Albon Hamilton incident, I said Hamilton deserved a penalty. So, t- with consistency, and because of Fernando Alonso famously saying that the Bahrain Grand Prix, you have to always leave the space. I think F1. And other, for, other forms of racing, actually, they've, you've, they've moved away from uh, proper racing, which is leaving a car's width when there's an overlap or the car is alongside. Right now, or what? Uh, if a penalty wasn't given, the stewards are saying, right, driver A can push driver B off the track, and that's fine. And I don't think that's right, so I think the penalties are absolutely fine. Yeah, I think you've convinced me. I think I was leaning towards that way, but I didn't have the balls to back it up with an argument <laughs> against both of you. That's why I said I don't know. But yeah, I think just because you're on the racing line, you can't, you know, you can't just push other drives off the track. Or I think if you're, it's not just the racing line; it's the inside line and the outside line. And Perez was um, close enough alongside. He, um, I think, going into the corner, right, have had his front wheels level, and then kind of as. Um, at the point where he actually went off the track, I think his front wheel was a bit behind uh, Norris's front wheel, but he was still pretty alongside. And yeah, so I, I agree with what you say, Nigel. I think it comes to a point in particular corners where it's really hard to sort of say, give the space before it just becomes yielding. And I feel like this can be one of those corners where if you kind of have to give the space, then essentially it's just giving up. And you could that take it then... outside. Norris couldn't take the outside. If he's on the in, if he's on the inside line, and then Perez on the outside line in this situation, if Norris has to go really tight through that corner, and Perez can just open it up, then it's um, it but kind of that's means the art that... of racing. That's that's building up. Yeah, I, I I kind of forget what the situation was before the straight, but if if Perez built, you know, that's making a move over several corners. So, you know, again, it's if Perez. Um, was able to position himself so that he'd be on the outside going into the corner. You know, I, I don't really think Norris can just cut across and force him to lift there, to me. But it's not, I, I don't, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't see it from me as sort of cutting across. Like, it is that, not just holding the line to the point of like, oh, well, you shouldn't have gone there because like there's gravel there. More to the kind of point of like, he can do that and, Perez can, should be able to see he's on the outside he's going for the do or die move you live by the sword that kind of thing and which is definitely my immediate reaction to it and it's kind of like you look at it and think well there was a moment with uh, Russell and Alonso where Russell went right out to the edge to defend from Alonso and Alonso then backed out because it's like okay cool well yeah. that's that gap closed and that's how you close the gap and that's how you defend and I kind of feel like, yeah, I, I think Perez was probably was closer than Alonso was, and I see that with that kind of thing. But Perez had the opportunity to 
not be there and he knows there's gravel there and like that's the thing it's like the same with the album kind of thing like you're going to put yourself in that position you you take the risk of being able to be run out that kind of thing I don't think that's I, my I, that, that's my one well I'm going to argue against myself that's my one problem with it because I if I think this should be a penalty if you think back to let's say for example Verstappen and Hamilton and Imola at the start should that be a penalty then? Verstappen pushing or forcing Hamilton out wide or even Hamilton in uh, like Portugal, I think. When well, take take Austria, Verstappen take Verstappen against Leclerc yeah. in 2019, yeah. where he just drove, yeah. basically opened up the steering and Leclerc then had to yeah. go over the big curve and that was deemed fine and Verstappen won that race and with that move. It's that kind of thing. Like, amazing, to be honest, at the time. I think, I think it's just like what the kind of racing that we want to see. I think I want to see... You know, and that's a good corner yeah, thing side want, by side racing it, it and it goes yeah. it feeds into another great section of the track. So, you know, I think for for me, I think it should have been a penalty. And and part of that is because I think he did force another driver off the track, kind of objectively looking at it. But also that's as as Nigel said, we want to see that racing. We want to see it where two cars can go side by side through the corner on different lines and you know, be able to trust each other that they can come out and if not trust the rules that someone will get penalised for that because you know that completely scuppered Perez's race he could have finished ahead of both Mercedes but you know it, it's yeah. really hampered him and then later on he did the same to Leclerc which we'll come on to later um, I think the, but, the Perez-Leclerc yeah. issue uh, one was I think was actually definitely pushing someone off the track that's definitely a a penalty, I think, for the Perez one, because you look at where Leclerc was and the fact that he just bumped into him and pushed him way off both times, really. Um, I'd say for that one, that's definitely penalisable. I think with this one, it's it's a harder one to call. But like, yeah, I, I know what you guys are saying about like... I'm not being kind of You need to use the track for the racing and uh, not use the edge off track for racing. I get what uh, you're saying. The, the thing is, if with me calling this a penalty, I'm not being consistent like the stewards who made the decisions. I'm not being cons- consistent with the incidents this season, just like Verstappen House in in Imola, because I did not call for a penalty then at all. I don't think. I think we called it. I think we all called it hard but fair racing. And well, the gravel that, changes that. Similar incident. Yeah. The only thing. Yeah. The only, the only difference was there was the gravel was a bit further away there. So that's my it's argument to against myself in a way. I think a lot of it, I'm just looking back at the um, incident now, but I think some of it kind of depends on where the car is. I think in this situation, it was they went in purely side by side um, into the corner. And I think that kind of has a, um, has a effect on it. Although, you know, I don't remember if that was the same case in Imola, but if you are going in purely side by side, I think you do need to, as, you quoted Fernando Alonso. I think you always need to keep the space. Where we take you know, a tra- mm. we take a corner at Austria for an- another corner. Turn one, we saw um, a few moves. Actually, in the start of this Lando Checo fight, um, Perez went to go t- to make the move on Norris into turn one, and Norris ran him out, and Perez went over the curves, I think, and came back onto mm. the track, and they just carried on up to turn three. And we look at that, and we don't say anything of the sort because he's able to carry on. Do we? Um, if that's that's literally two corners beforehand, where arguably the same thing happens, but because there's not gravel there, do we think this kind of rule? Then I mean, I, I'm coming around to what you guys are saying. I think I'm yeah, I'm sort of leveling up really. To be fair, 
Um, I kind of felt meeting in the middle here. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the rules of racing can't be different for every corner, can they? It's I, like I think it's the track, though. I think it's it's forcing drivers off the track. If you if there's like you say that kind of um, if there's a tarmac runoff, it's it's less catastrophic and it's still kind of it can be part of the truck in the line that you take you can come back on and at relatively little um disadvantage to you so i know that's kind of getting away from the specific wording of the rule but i think it does have an impact in the way it disadvantages a driver on different corners um yeah because it's not it's not just the corner it's kind of the way um that corner, if you go onto the gravel, it's then kind of off camber and the corner t- keeps turning right. So the corner just really gets away from you. It's really hard. And I've done that on the game many times where it's an awful place to try and go around the outside because everyone will just tip you out into the gravel. But it, it's like one of the worst corners that you can get onto the gravel because it's just so, you always take such a long road to get back onto the track. I think my my main the main problem Formula One has, and it's the same with track limits. Every Thursday or Wednesday, they introduce what the track limits are, and they say at turn X, turn X, we'll be looking at it. Why don't they just say if you go wide at any corner, you'll be penalised? And it's the same here. At certain corners, they will be looking at it just like turn four. All oh, right, you'll get a penalty because it's gravel, and then at turn one because it's runoff. If you do it, it's fine. It's just it is. The problem yeah. is, is it's not just inconsistent, inconsistency race to race, it's corner to corner. Yeah. The same track, the same event, just because of the different gravel or, or runoff or grass or whatever. That's mm. Formula One's biggest problem. And that's why, even, myself, even, even why I'm arguing with myself, because I don't know what the answer is. And I don't think F1 or the FIA do themselves. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, we're all, sorry, you go. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's going into a bit of a separate issue here, which is a bit away from the penalty, I think. But it does stem. The problem comes from the fact that the racing line is basically going onto the curb and the um, is it astroturf or you know the green stuff Astro, on the yeah. outside of the curb. That is the racing line. So you know if if that wasn't the case, and there's probably a car's width on the curb and the um, astro that Perez could have taken, is Norris had to keep. Um, you know, completely within the track. So, and you see it across the weekend. By the end of the weekend, you can see, you know, the the black rubber marks that have been put down. And on any track, you know, on any given track, on any given re- weekend, it's like half the curbs seemingly will have that on them because that's just, you know, you can track the racing line. And yeah, I, I agree. I think you just, we just need to get away from using the outside of the track as part of it. I think, yeah, just make it a lot easier, cut the white line in for me or you know just make the white line the harder the harder part of the track but that's it i don't see why people need there needs to be this um accessibility to go onto the curbs i i mean i don't i don't know if the, the issue is racing lines going into the extremities of the rules which is the wheel on the track and that kind of thing i don't know if curbs are the issue i feel like um well, I'm just using More... that as shorthand for the edge of the track, basically. Yeah, okay. Um, I think, yeah, it's kind of like just, to me, it's just more like um, there's so much, like Nigel was saying, so much murky ambiguity. lack of clarity, ambiguity, that's it, about um, like what is a race, what is racing, is it, is a team's basically called for that lever car width um directive rule really and 
then kind of you know they 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 don't stick to it and they do stick to it and it's 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 it sort of becomes the equivalent I, I mean, to diving in football with like shouting about things and that kind of thing and it's it's a really we're all meeting in the middle on kind of just that it is a penalty and we don't want it to be there to be able to be a penalty and that kind of thing is is kind of where it is and it's I, it's annoying. <laughs> I think the final point on this is. Let's imagine there was tarmac runoff at turn four and turn six where the three incidents happened. Would there have been a penalty? I don't think there would have been. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. And that yeah. shouldn't be the case. Just because the uh, off track, uh, the track limits are different shouldn't mean that the penalty is different. Mm. And I yeah. think I think what, what I was bringing up was just, I think the... Not necessarily for the forcing the driver off the track, but the track limit discussion that we've kind of morphed into is all the ambiguity comes from the fact that now parts that aren't on the track are the quickest line through the corner. And that's kind of the the battle that the F1 driver is having well, that's always been with the, the stewards. But I think just cut that out. I think honestly, I, I mean, I know it sounds simple, but it just really feels like it would be a lot more simple if you just make the track the track and just say, right, you've got to same between here and if you go off then that's that and you'll get you know time deleted or you get penalties whatever i just don't think there needs to be this kind of corner to corner changing as um nigel said it changes from corner to corner i think there's a really easy way to cut that out there is a fear in the faa i've written about this and then we've spoken about this about um sort of pr as the faa and as the race stewards and i think they're they're so happy to do it for um Formula Three this weekend, up an hour before the second race, they were change. They were giving penalties and changing the grid for the second reverse grid and whatnot. I think eleven drivers were penalised from one race, and it was all post-race stuff. They're not scared to do it for drivers who aren't in the spotlight. So, uh, why are they scared to do it? Because when they have issued penalties, be it for engines, be it for anything, I remember Monza twenty seventeen qualifying. Um, someone's got like a 30 place grid penalty because of an engine change and started higher up because of other people's engine changes and stuff like that. And it just becomes complex and bonkers. And we don't like that, but that's just the way it has to be. And rules should be followed and rules should be stuck to, particularly when they're basically defining everything about the race. And Mm. that then makes it a worse storm, surely, than being not hard being being correct to what you've got written down in front of you and when we when we have turn um turn 10 on the on the rebel ring being attracted being a corner you can go up to the edge of the red and white curbs but then turn nine being one you can't you can go up to the white line or whatever you can't go up to the edge of the red and white curbs and that kind of thing corner to corner it's bonkers and bizarre and like if you want to make it that much of an issue then just get your tinfoil hat off and think like a normal person. And I mean, after sort of articles that are sort of opinion articles, I seem to write at the moment are rants about stewarding rants about the FIA. And I think half the conversations we have are criticisms of the way formula one is being run from a rulemaking perspective and they know what they're doing. And I feel like there's just a complete lack of, understanding of what they want to do and 
every now and again they'll say right we're going to have a clean slate we're going to have a conversation we're going to say right mm. this is racing this isn't racing it always comes after something like this race it happens every three or four years and it's just even more than that either. it happens like every yeah. six, every year. five six moments six like three ra- times yeah, a year six races yeah, yeah. And it's I'm... like after a penalty for something people then get upset about it and fair enough and yeah there isn't there isn't possibility to have a consistency in Formula One. Every corner is different, that kind of thing. You can't say this happened at this track, so this is going to happen at this track. But there is when there's a white line around the track. And mm. if we stick to that, why don't we just stick to that? <laughs> and yeah, and I, I think, um, you know, it, it's all right in one sense because their uh, drive safety and we races wrong campaigns went so blindingly brilliantly from a PR angle. Uh, <laughs> they've got a lot of credit in the bank. But I think the the kind of primary examples to me that stick out from that are the 2019 season, the backlash that they got um, from the Canada race about interfering yeah. with the result. The the highlights video from that still has more dislikes than likes. It's about 14,000, I think. Um, and I think wow. like our last that video. stoked them. And, and then um, I think it's nearly evened up now. Though. Um, oh. and, but then the, the 2019 Italian Grand Prix, I, I think it's fast call that Leclerc didn't get a penalty oh, God we were and, doing and, a podcast that yeah, season <laughs> but, but I think you know that that was kind of it seemed to be a reaction that they didn't want they didn't want to kind of stir the pot anymore and that's I think that's just been on their mind since Canada to be honest about it and I, I know so, there's incidents before but I think that it just seems to have yeah come up a lot more now that they don't want to they don't want to start um, you know poke that pot of bees or whatever so what, the F1 Twitter it, is it, in the off season, we should like uh, do arguments or, or or episodes on like previous races or previous incidents and like asking for a fight <laughs> to yeah. do arguments. <laughs> Doesn't even need to be that yeah. one. <laughs> Your yeah. hair's funny. That kind of thing. Thanks. <laughs> <Banks. laughs> um, yeah, God, there, there are yeah, there's inconsistency all over the place. I mean, who knows what's going on with Charlotte Leclerc never being penalised for anything ever <laughs> he seems to get away with yes i mean you can punch michael mazzy's wife and get given oh, a well, cake right. with her. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a, probably that's worth me. it for him um i've never met michael mazzy's wife um i don't even know if he, if he has a wife it's a fun rabbit hole we're going down <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, this has gone so late. far away from this has gone so far away from the Austria, Austria yeah, Grand Prix yeah. review. It's, it's very so <laughs> great. It's a great discussion about track limits and forcing people off the track and everything, and it's fantastic. But it's just like I compiled every penalty devolve. from the entire weekend today, and into one document, and it's just like, oh my goodness, come on, guys! How, how many um, circles of hell are there meant to be? Is it nine? So you got like. For like track limits discussions, and then slowly going down to punching Michael Matthews' wife and and frolicking the um, yeah Leclerc um, fandom angry nest. So yeah, oh dear. Should we carry on talking about Austria? That's the Ricardo fandom. You shouldn't poke. Um, yes, oh, let's no. carry on talking about Austria <laughs> and um, or the Alban one. <laughs> the Alban fandom. Who are they? Um, well, they disliked oh, our lot, video. There's a lot. <laughs> So I think one of the biggest weird inconsistencies and penalties that we're not really able to discuss so much because it's it's there's a lot of hearsay to a lot of this, but it's 
it's the incident which happened um, with Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Räikkönen at the end of the race. I think we can all agree that it seems to be a bit of a brain fade from yeah. from from Kimi there. Um, Second time the season after he made contact with Giovinazzi in Portugal. Second time he's done some weirdly bizarre. Bookended. That was lap one. This was lap seventy, whatever it was. Yeah. So 71. one at the start of the race, one at the end oh, of the race. Seventy for him, I guess. Yeah, he was lapped. Um, yeah. Then he got a twenty-second time penalty. Kimi Raikkonen. Fair enough. Um, but what came afterwards was drivers having to slow for double wave yellows. Um, and two drivers got penalties, two drivers who weren't in the points. Uh, Nikita Mazepin and Equus TV both got 30 second time penalties. No one else got penalized. Um, but you know, it seems to the, the impressions that seem to be coming from people who have studied this on F1 TV and whatnot is that it all seems a bit random that oh, we lifted here, but didn't lift here, and the other one lifted at a completely random place, but didn't lift here, and that kind of thing. Like at various points, there was always drivers going flat out, but they weren't penalized, and it just I don't know. To me, it, sn- it sniffs a bit of um, the PR thing we're talking about as well, that it's, you know, the race finished three or four hours ago and we don't want to change all the fancy graphics our bosses have made in P- in the social media around the corner and that kind of thing. And it's just a bit like... I think the, I don't do you think think the social media do... team is the boss of the stewards? Feels like Naturally. PR and communications and media are the, the top dogs, aren't we? I don't, think, I don't think that is the case, really, because if you look at there has been post-race changes this year. Raikkonen in Imbler, wasn't it? He he dropped out of the points because of uh, time. Yeah, but who cares? That was like three or four out. Yeah, that's well, one. There's one driver, not six. Is the thing I'm saying with yeah. that. Yeah, but they do do it. I, I think it, I, Yeah, I don't mind the PR thing. It's, it's, it's not like well, Ford have got the opposite problem, haven't they? They they, they do it like. Too much, uh, I guess. But yeah, but then yeah. I, I mean, so, not necessarily not PR in that. Like, like I'm just using that as a phrase, but more just like they, yeah, they yeah. seem there seems to be a thought of like, oh, this will look bad. How will this play? Yeah, yeah. I just Rather think than... it's. I, th- I just think it's always been the case that they take three or four hours. That they've never done it quickly. For, for oh, quick on Paris is two penalties. It. No, it's already yeah. very quick. If you put someone in the gravel, then. Yeah. You've got a five seconds to that. We already speaking, had a conversation speaking of that, earlier that, on. I'd rather see that. that I'd rather yeah. see them make quick fire. But it's surely, I don't know. But to me, it... double wave yellows is cut and dry. And we always have this discussion. We always hear it. Double wave yellows is be prepared to stop, not lift for a bit and then go flat for the rest of it. It's, it's, it's a safety thing. And Adam and I went to a karting track a few weeks ago and they had flashing yellows and people were going at full speed and nothing happened. And it's like, you get that kind of thing is unsafe and scary. There could be marshals well, the and trucks just so everywhere. Long. There's just everywhere. It takes so long, yeah, because because what? Because it's because they were actually going really slowly. Drivers, no. That's why. And who knows what they're speaking about in that room and what the drivers like, are. Oh, but I had about. to go really fast. What? So that's that's why. Go slowly if it's double yellow. It's to a lot of drivers. So that's, and that's I, I don't. Always, I don't care if it's four hours late. I just think it's the wrong decision. I, I would if just it's four like hours to late, say, do it four hours late. Casual. I don't care about that. That's not the point. For okay, me. Right, okay. The point for me is, if if you're going to take a long time, that's fine. But don't, I don't know. Just take, make them. Don't be worried about it having taken a long time to then just think, oh, well, let's just leave it now. I, I don't think they are. I think I think they're doing what they think is right. 
Mm, I think I'd agree. I would just like to say quickly, as this bar is more out of control, I was really gutted for Leclerc on the particularly the second um, Perez incident because it was a fantastic overtake. It would have been if he made it stick, which I think he would have. It would have been one of the overtakes of the season, basically hanging it in all the way around the um, third sector. Is that a second or kind of a mixture of two um, of the track? I think that would be exceptional. And, you know, again, it kind of really damaged his race as well because he came home eighth in the end where he could have probably been on for a top five maybe top six but probably yeah. probably fifth yeah yeah well probably who I got, know who probably got fifth? he would have science. science got fifth he would have probably been sixth because um uh, Paris wouldn't have got the penalty for the instant anyway yeah. so that wouldn't have got in the way so mm. um that that actually probably is what gave Ferrari the fifth place in the end it swings and roundabouts but yeah you're right Leclerc could have been sixth probably rather than eighth um, but yeah, let, yeah, let's move on from me basically being angry at the Formula One stewards for running an unsafe show. Oh, wait till you're a Formula One steward for the 10 years. <laughs> 10 years? <laughs> when I'm in my 30s, That's I'm going to be a Formula Early 30s, I'll be a Formula One steward, definitely. <laughs> well, early 50s, less. less oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. Classic. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, let's move on to some better things then. Actually, talk about some drivers who have driven pretty well um carlos science we mentioned there fifth place started in 10th and started on the hard tires and did a, a late alternative strategy and basically came past everyone like ferrari did last week and got a fifth place i think that was probably one of the drivers of the race yeah yep nice over yeah, on and he was only one of two drivers oh sorry I was literally just saying, nice overtake on Ricardo. He wasn't. He currently made just to realise he had said it. Yes. <laughs> I think there's a massive delay. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll carry on speaking. Uh, yeah, I think he was only one of two drivers to have uh, tried that hard to medium strategy and it, he nailed it, basically. And I think he was the better Ferrari driver for most of the weekend as well. So I think science has really come on a lot. And I think it was a yeah, fantastic event, and he, he managed managed his tie as well, made the overtake stick, so just a really, really good drive. Yeah, nothing, um, to add. nothing really to add to it, it's just quietly doing a really good job for Ferrari. Um, Daniel Ricciardo got, made the most of being good at racecraft, because that's where he's at his best, got himself um, up a few positions at the race start and up a few positions at the 50 car restart. And held it there, and to be fair, defended nicely, but was also in the points on pace. So, yay! Good, Daniel. Hooray. Not not in the shadow of Lando, but still <laughs> better. I mean, if this is good, then... It's, yeah, it's not, it's not good enough. I, I think I see, as I see where Nigel's coming from, it feels like this would be good if it was, like, the first few races of the season. It was like, oh, we're going to build off this. To me, anyway, I think like yeah, that I kind of feel a lot better of like oh, he's been in the car, you know, say at Bahrain or um, the second or third races, like oh, he's been in the car for a few races and he's got to this position, great to kick on. Um, I think it was a good drive, to be honest. But yeah, it's it's kind of like Nigel says, if you look at what Norris wow. is doing in the car, it's just it's he, he still I mean, needs to be he, doing better. He doesn't have the pace. He re- he he. I mean, to qualify 13th when your teammates on the front row is as bad as it gets, quite frankly. 
Yeah, sort of driver like him. Well, it's not um, as bad. You race... qualify 14th. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he probably did that last week, didn't he? Uh, no. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Wasn't he 15th last week? I actually think he was, but I'll double check. He's no, still he, was, not... he was 13th. In the, I think on general race pace, he's still... Drat. He's yeah, nowhere he's... near Norris, unfortunately. And I think he was he was only there because McLaren had a, probably the third best car. And if he's in the third best car, he should be in the top six. Not seventh. You're, you're yeah. right, really. Yeah, no, I think I, th- I, th- I think I think because he's been so bad, this result looks good, and people go, "Oh, right, he's back." Well, but he's not. This is no better than what he's been doing. He's just had a, he's just got a better car this weekend that's allowed Norris to get on the podium, <laughs> and it should allow Ricardo to be further up too. That's all it is. It's forty seconds off uh, Norris at the end of the race, and that sort of equates to what it was in qualifying, six or seven tenths difference, doesn't it? One driver who also was ten places behind his teammate in qualifying was Nicholas Latifi, and we're going to use that as a segue to now talk about George Russell. Um, George Russell qualified in Q three, guys. Can I get a very late cheer to wake tired me up? No, but Ooh. I would just like to um, talk about Nicholas Latifi being 11th at some point in the race. And I thought he'd get vertigo. I was like, what is Latifi? What is he doing there? He's like, Latifi's I, I can't remember. Was that because everyone else pitted and he hadn't oh, made his pitch? Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> completely. But still, he's like, I can't remember who he's battling. It might have been like Alonso or something. I was like, what, what is going on here? Latifi. Alonso had a time of it. He was everywhere, wasn't he? No. Yeah. He was in Austria. He was in a very specific part of Austria. Yeah. Latifi got 11th in his very first Formula One race. Yeah, by in default. In Austria last year. Yes, by default. He was the last finisher. But he was 11th. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, George Russell, Q3. Woo! No. Come on, guys. Talk cheer, about things. It's a podcast. Yeah, we're, going to talk, we're not going to cheer, though. It's not North Korea. Yeah, um, but it's, it's so... a way of saying, talk about George Russell. <laughs> And now I decree Come on, you've got to get on cheer. with it. He, he was cheering me happy that George Russell qualified in the Q3. <laughs> Go now. Be upset. Nigel, talk about George Russell, please. <laughs> Adam forfeited the right. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> again, it's not North Korea. Um, yeah, it so, is now. Yeah, it, was, it was great. It was, it was really good for George Russell. And again, he's cursed because he didn't finish in the points. But apart from that, nice. It was, actually, his first lap reminded me a bit of, I think it was Bottas at Monza last year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Where, where he was just like, over, he, yeah, it was like every single corner he'd be overtaken by someone else, and it was kind of the same here really on his first lap, which is a bit of a shame um, for the first four corners anyway. Um, but he recovered well, he placed it in eleventh at the end of the race. Um, so I, I think again, it's it's another. This is just his his destiny now. It's for the remainder of his stay at Williams. He is to have great qualifying and race well, but by some circumstance, not finishing the points. That's the way it's yeah. going to be for the next 16 races or how many we've got left. An outstanding effort in Cornwall on the medium tyres as well to make it even more extraordinary. And even in Q3, he was ninth, then moved up to eighth because of the, because of the penalties. And then in the race, yeah, I think it was a shameless first lap because I think he was caught out. I think Ricardo went wide and overtook a couple of cars, got away with it. And Russell was like caught up, kind you know, he was caught up in that and was in the wrong position. So, what he was saying, short parts with racecraft, but uh, I think, and I think without that, had he held position or even lost only one place, 
it would have given him a much better chance of scoring points, I think. He, he was um, spooked by Yusuf nah. Sonoda locking up and avoiding um, yeah. crashing into Pierre Gasly and all the drivers ahead, which is all Yuki could really do. But that meant George then had to sort of box in yeah. behind him and then got boxed off on the exit of the corner, which then consequently meant he was stuck on the middle on the inside yeah. line for turn three, which is not where you want to be because then you've got no uh, traction coming out from um, the cars who got the wider line, which just meant that he was always in the wrong place for the for the whole first lap, basically, which um, didn't really help him, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, his pace was always really, really good. And the mediums helped him get up into the points playing positions because, yeah, his pace allowed him to start the race on a better strategy than the Alpha Tauris and Aston Martins, who were really his main fight. And that's why he's finished ahead of um, Yuki Tsunoda and Lance Stroll. And he would have been ahead of Vettel. Vettel, I think, was um, about to, was nearly passing him, but obviously then had his yeah. incident with Raikkonen. Um, but that's the thing. The strategy put him ahead of those three cars. And if he just didn't get um, taken by the Ferraris and Ricardo at the start, he probably could have been in decent points because no. the strategy earned that. Do you not think? It, it, just, it just would have made some more painful um, mess up further within the race that would have cost him points. He's, he's he not getting get them. Points. He's, he's he not will. getting them. It's just, he, he, he would have. No, but I, 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 I think, yeah, like if he'd held position there, there would have just been something gone wrong later in the race. And that would have been that, or like Raikkonen would have taken him out, or something. I don't know. The TP, maybe. Who knows? But it's, it's, it's just, it's another it's George Russell weekend. If Latifi got close enough to take him out, that would have been fair enough for Latifi, to be honest. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe when he's locked He's up into 11th, I told you. <laughs> no, he's fighting yeah, he with Alonso. straight back down again. His fight with, with Alonso was brilliant at the end of the race where he was defending. And that was that was like a proper, really good scrap. And that's, that's the kind of race that I want to see. Yeah, I think it was the battle of the race as well. Yeah, I think it probably was battle of the race, actually. I mean, um, maybe if Mercedes had uh, left Bottas <laughs> behind Lewis Hamilton, that could have been the battle of the race, but it, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, Adam was distracted. Yeah, we were definitely <laughs> <going to> go. <laughs> um, yeah, he would yeah, have been so... overtaken in one corner. Wow, what a battle. <laughs> I think I think Leclerc's battle with Perez, if it hadn't been for the two, um, or again, particularly the, the second one, I think that would have been it. Nice battle, but that only went on over, or it would have only gone on one lap, and then Leclerc overtook him. I think I agree. It was, and it was really desperate as well, especially from Russell, because you could see he knew how much yeah. it would have meant to him, and that I think that added in just makes it even more special. After the race, um, Alonso said he felt bad for George, and when he came up alongside him, behind him, he was like, oh, yeah. when he found out who found out he was in P10. He said he was upset that it was George. He didn't want it to be. He, did, he wanted to get the points, but he didn't want to have to overtake George to get the points. I, I don't good. buy that. I don't minute. buy that <laughs> at all. If, if, if he cared that much, he wouldn't have overtaken him. It would have been the real. Obviously, obviously he doesn't. Obviously, he wants George to do well. Is what he's saying. But he's like, well, I don't want to do as well as me. And I think that's 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 a racing driver, isn't it? It's like a racing. You respect them, but you beat them because you can. And he, he yeah, Alonso. It's just, you know, it just says everything. I mean, yesterday was was classic Alonso. He was just like in qualifying. It was like, it was my best ever performance of all time in a Formula One car. And it was ruined because I had to get blocked. And like a classic Fernando Alonso. Um, I'm really enjoying he, having him he back He would have been sport. on pole position if it weren't for that. Oh, yeah, I know. It's, it's such a shame. I can't believe Alonso didn't win this race because 
of a few slow drivers ahead of him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's there's been some a lot of good storylines in this weekend. It seems to have sort of mirrored the Syrian Grand Prix. When you think think about it, you've got George Russell doing very well, Landon Norris doing very well last week, and the same this week, and Daniel Ricciardo doing badly. Ocon being nowhere in qualifying and then obviously out in the start of the race, but probably would have been nowhere, that kind of thing. All the sort of storylines that Verstappen would have in there. Arguably, it's because it's at the same racetrack, but we'll never know. Um, and mo- most importantly, though, England winning because it is coming home. That's none of this matters. Honestly, I wouldn't, after the Ukraine game, I couldn't really have cared less about the Grand Prix, to be honest. Like, it's coming home and I'm going to be here for it. So I just it's want to coming get home. home. It's coming home. The next Formula One is coming home because the next Grand Prix is the British Grand Prix. Um, home of motorsport in the UK. I'm very much looking forward to it. We're going to do probably a couple of podcasts beforehand where we discuss Silverstone. I really like Silverstone. I'm very happy that we're going to Silverstone again. And yeah, I think anyone got a final word in Austria? I think, Adam, you wanted to say a word on Yuki Tsunoda. <laughs> yeah, I, he... Before That's his um, pit stop mess ups, then he was doing really well. And he, both of them got into um, Q3, and he had some. He had a decent um, race at the start. And he had a I can't remember who he was battling with, but he, yeah, he was he was um, giving it some, and then yeah, it just kind of went downhill from there in, in a very uh, Yuki Sonoda kind of way. But it, he's getting better. I, I I do really. I'm not just saying this. I do think he's improving from where he was a few races ago. I think he's had a stronger run of races and you know hopefully that can continue because you know we, we all want to see him do well yeah pace wise he's definitely improved because he was at like i think after five or six races he was a good half a second on average slower that's more like one or two tenths now i think yeah. so there's a tenth yeah, he's, he's definitely right there and also the two-stop strategy used by aston martin and alvatari did not work at all uh, wasn't 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 really sure, especially Alpha Tower is what they were thinking because Gasly probably had the pace to go through on the mediums, I think. Yeah, yeah, probably. So uh, a strategic error from both of those teams. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Yuki, I think yeah, he just he just threw it away with some very silly penalties of crossing the wrong line on pit lane entry or whatever he did. And, you know, he, he raced here in F2 last year. He raced twice here in F2 last year. He raced here in Formula 1 last week and didn't make those mistakes. And it's just kind of think, oh, Yuki, you did it twice, mate. Come on. That's, it's a, that's, you know, that's a really not great thing to do. But other than that, positive. And that's good. Yeah. Other than the 10 seconds accumulated penalties, positive. Um, Still better than Ricardo. <laughs> Still better than Ricardo, not in terms of points, but um, and then Alban. Yeah, Alban oh. scored nothing today, mate. Alban didn't even finish the race. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if those. The the, the the ghost of his penalties had a big impact in the race, I think, or specific penalty last season. I do genuinely think it had a big impact on the race, and so That's yeah, right. he, he have, had, might have, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Live by the sword, die by the sword. Who knows? Um, but anyway, yeah, this has been a very um, timely podcast because it is twenty to twelve, and it's timely because I've gone in, I've gone insane. 
Um, <laughs> I think you've probably noticed that this episode. And only just. <laughs> only just insane. Beforehand, I was nearly insane. <laughs> um, which after 40 years, finally. finally after gone. 40 years, 21 <laughs> of those I've been alive. Don't know what was happening in the other ones. Um, <laughs> well, uh, uh, my mum says that as well. Uh, um, yeah. Wow. Although, again, 55 years of hurt now coming to an end. It's coming out. Let's not get complacent, please. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I said something before in, in the thing that might have, like, you know, but no one no, knows. No, he he means our yeah. group chat where we discuss I, I didn't, I, I didn't say starting a podcast. <laughs> yeah. no, he's, he never, he's never talked in that. He didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, it's just don't. me and Freddie that he'd like, he just reacts. Yeah. <laughs> he just reacts. I still don't know why we've got to decode Nigel's emoji reactions to all our messages. I still don't know why you just call it the thing. Like you're keeping it away from people. Like you yeah, can't no. know. I said this in the group chat, but you aren't it. <laughs> it's like are you anyway. Um, we'll inform you, dear dear listener, of more Nigel Chu, um, <laughs> Nigel Chu chat mess ups over on our Twitter page. Every now and again, you'll get a good little screenshot of when he said something incredibly weird out of context nigel was actually considered as a name for this podcast um <laughs> so go and follow us on twitter at winging it f1 i'm at fred coates 1999 adam's at adam dickinson 01 uh nigel is at nigel c journal you can go and see links to all our work that we post you can go and see all of our mad tweets you can see tweets about any sport you like from Nigel and Adam. You can probably only really see tweets about um, motorsport from me. I might then make a try and say something about football and actually impress people by saying something. Um, um, but who knows? Please go and support us. We're needy. Thanks very much for sticking with us for this. Nigel, stop mouthing at, at the fans. They don't oh, yeah. want to see what you're saying. Um, thank you for sticking with us for this Austrian Grand Prix review podcast it's been a marathon not a sprint so see you at the sprint races for Silverstone have a good one everyone oh I forgot about that <laughs>